The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior Matters. Sissy, I'm so excited to have Dr. Mary Lasseter back on as our guest. Welcome, Mary. Sadly, we lost um, a huge contributor to the field of special education. His name was Dr. Michael Brady from Florida Atlantic University. He used to be at the University of Houston, and Mary and I both worked very closely together with him. He kind of, I mean, he, he was the best mentor you could ever ask for back before mentors and supervisors we're even around, you know. Um, so welcome, Dr. Mary Lasseter, to our, our show again. And just wanted to kind of give a little tribute to Dr. Brady, um, another friend of mine, when I was telling him about uh, his death, it, he said, you and Mary should record a podcast to honor him. And so that's the purpose of today's and hopefully next week's podcast as well. Mary, I remember I met Mike Brady because I was a teacher and I wasn't a very good teacher. <laughs> and I remember it was my first year teaching and really my only year. And uh, I remember calling him in his office every probably week. Did, did you get the grant? Did you get the grant? Because he was had applied for a severe disabilities grant for a master's program. And I finally got word that he did. And I quit teaching and that is where it all began for me. And um, I know you were in the same program with Mike. So tell us a little bit about your experience. Yes, Susan. And I'm so glad to be here because this is I'm glad we have the opportunity to talk about Mike and how, how much he meant to us. I met Mike 33 years ago, uh, maybe longer than that. My math is off, but it's uh, I met him when I started my doc program, but I was actually in curriculum and instruction, but I was, I had this special ed slant and that's where, what they had offered at the time with the UH uh, cohorts from Victoria. But I ended up working with Mike as my coach chair when I first met him to see if that was going to be a possibility because I was pretty insistent. I wanted someone in sped. Al Warner paired me up with uh Mike Brady. And uh, when I first met him and I sat down to talk to him and I just knew almost immediately that he was going to be the one to work with because one is sense of humor. Um, You just knew how smart and funny he was and uh, his mischievous uh, twinkle in his eye. And uh, he was just from that point on, he was my mentor. I had some great experiences with him as far as from classroom to uh, working on my dissertation. Then um, subsequently after that, when we'd be presenting research together and uh, it was just lovely. I managed to keep up with him and even go to Florida and do some work at uh, one of the community colleges there for paraeducator training. And Mike was one instrumental in uh, bringing me in there. And um, yeah, it was a fabulous, he was fabulous. So, so many memories, so many just great memories of you and Carol and all these girls, you know, going to conferences in San Francisco and Atlanta and everywhere. And I remember I I was thinking the other day, you know, was that even a choice for us? I mean, it was just like it was a given, like you're you're going to do this and you're going to present and do a poster session or you're going to present. I remember 
one time we were, I don't know why we were flying, but we were flying from Houston to Austin for a conference and my wallet got stolen out of my purse at the airport. And so we went to Austin, we did the presentation, you know, we came back, I guess that same day and, you know, he was so sweet. He bought, 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 bought my lunch and everything. But when we got back from the conference about, I don't know, a few days later, he calls me into his office and he's like, come here, I'm going to show you something. And it was the evaluations from the conference. And somebody had complained that I flipped my hair too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share that with you. That sounds like Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, he was instrumental in getting me that internship that I did in Washington, D.C. for Dr. Don yeah. Hunter at the yes. Department of Education Severe Disabilities Branch. And mm-hmm. he was also instrumental in me winning the um, Alice J. Hayden Award for yes. outstanding doctoral work. And I'll never forget, you know, my dad was such a proud dad, pr- proud papa. And he lived in Missouri and that we were at that conference in Atlanta. And he and Grace Jane, his wife, drove down and took us all out to dinner. And I just remember being like in the basement of a hotel or something. No, it was a beautiful little boutique restaurant kind of thing that was like a like a, a secret door you went in. Yeah. It was it was a great place. It was. It really was. And my dad, you know, daddy was um, a, a bit conservative and Mike was a, a not a bit conservative. And <laughs> daddy fell in love with them. And I remember he they gave me this pretty little birthstone necklace and earrings and he just loved Mike so much he just fell in love with him and Mike could say anything and he he wouldn't be wrong you know he just he could entertain and make anybody feel at home and feel welcome and you know I just remember he came to DC um, when I was working with Dr. Hunter and I remember my niece was gosh probably well, let's see, it was 30 years ago. So she was probably five and we were walking through the mall in Washington, DC with Jen on my, on his shoulders. And I have a picture of that somewhere. He's just such a, such a great guy. And it's such a, such a knowledgeable person. You know, this was severe disabilities masters was really an ABA program, applied behavior analysis. We did studies all the time. We had to take data and graph our data. And this is back in the day when we graphed it using graph paper and pencils. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, yeah, you know, one of you know, talking about Mike as a mentor, uh, I had him for a couple of classes, and one of the courses was a course that um, there was like selected topics and special ed, and when we it was about four or five of us doc students that were in his class, and he said, "Okay, I want to get this out of the way right now. Everybody gets an A." So quit worrying about your grade, <laughs> you know, so don't worry about it. And, we're, and it's like, wow, what a relief. Nobody's ever said that to us in, a, in, a, in any course I've ever taken. And um, what the course was about, though, which was so fantastic, it was writing many proposals that could be dissertations later. And what my dissertation proposal came from that. And um you know, because I didn't have a direction. I wasn't sure where to go in my dissertation because I was doing a lot of models of teaching and how does that work to include kids? And this is back in uh, like 91. So that's how long ago that was when uh, I got my dissertation, did my doc 32 years ago um, when I finished it. Um, and I wasn't quite sure, but Mike said, why don't you look at using video? Self is a model on video. Well, they had done a couple of other studies 
I think her name was Loniker. Uh, she had done one, but it was working with students with learning disabilities. And it was more on efficacy in the classroom kind of thing. And uh, but I he said, let's take it a different way. You know, let's, let's talk about working with kids with autism. It's OK. And, you know, how about self-help skills? OK. So it was kind of one of those things and uh, turned out to be a crazy fun dissertation. And the other thing about it, it was so old way back then. There was very little lit, very little lit, probably four or five studies at that point that focused on self as a model. Because I thought that was not enough in my lit review. And he says, no, keep it tight on self as a model. Don't don't do modeling because then it'll be huge. Yeah, and you don't want to do a meta-analysis of no, modeling you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. It would have been gigantic. And he said, no, just do it on self as a model. And he was right because it, it honed it in very tightly on just a few key studies working with uh, kiddos with disabilities. He was so hands-on when I did my uh, dissertation. He would, when I was collecting data, I'd have I'd call it in and tell him what I what I did, and I we would I'd graph it and we'd I'd share the graphs with him on a daily basis, and he'd say, "So what do you think's next? What do you think you ought to do next? What's what's coming up?" You know. So he would he was very very hands-on when it came to uh, working on my data collection, and then the writing process, of course, was something. It was a fun study, but I remember Sissy, but this is back in the day when you had to carry those big old video cameras around on your shoulder. You know, we didn't have iPhones or anything. I worked on that study with Mary and um, yeah. And that was even before Bellini did the meta-analysis of all of the, the research. It was a, it was, it was so fun though. I loved working with, I think I was a data collector on that or something. I don't remember. Yes, and then I had you come in when I, I did a meta video of the video process, and you were the one delivering the intervention, and I was videotaping you. Part of that generalization thing to see if it would generalize to um, another person delivering the same uh, directions to the students and to these young men, and it was just too much fun. And Mike was even, he even came out, he wanted to meet my students. He wanted to talk about the study and, and the this task that they were using, which both of them were doing shaving. One was shaving with a razor, one was shaving with an electric razor. And with the, the young man working with the shaving cream, he, uh, he had to show him the towel trick <laughs> so that he wouldn't freak out if he, when he would get, he'd get real agitated and nervous when he would get any shaving cream on his shirt. So Mike said, no, this is what you do, the towel trick. And he showed him how to do the towel trick. So if he got some shaving cream on his shirt, you wipe it quickly off. And he was showing it to him. And it was just, it was so sweet. And it and it just uh, changed everything for that little guy just to, oh, okay. And um, yeah, so that's how hands-on he was with my dissertation. And then afterwards, he was... You're going to present it here. You're going to write up this. You're going to do it here and you're going to do that. So he was very much about where you're going to go with it next. The presentations we did with him at whether it was at Inclusion Works, whether it's the ABA conference, whether it was TASH or TASH or TASH. We did a lot of TASH with him. We did. Uh, it was uh, it was just an awesome experience. And I, I don't think other people would have had that push and I know other people didn't have that push they're, oh, no. they're 
they didn't have the mentoring that we did, Susan, that uh, someone who was there to say, no, this is what you need to do. This yeah. is how, you, you know, the next step is do this. And and even when I started applying for jobs after I finished my uh, my dissertation and I got out, and I, you know, I wasn't willing to move because I wanted to stay, didn't want to move my daughter again. I wanted to be in the in the same town, not have to jerk her, move her somewhere else. When I went to go interview, he told me, said, now these are the kinds of, this is how you need to respond. And this is what you need to say. And this is what you need to do. It was so crazy because I know like at that time, we didn't have ABA clinics. We didn't even have the BCBA certification. Oh, no. uh-uh. And he was the best mentor and best supervisor that we could ever have had. And then I see these kids going through graduate school now and it's all online and it's like they don't really have any human contact. And I mean, I the brick and mortar experience is just to me by far. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine getting my master's nowadays without not having that. And, you know, Susie and I supervise people who are working on their certification for the behavior analyst certification. And I really want to be the best supervisor that I can be because he taught me how to be a good supervisor. And I actually had to let a couple of girls go as their supervisor because I didn't feel like I could give it a hundred percent. And that's what I want to do. You know, I want to be that person that talk, somebody talks about down the road, you know, and laughing and joking and hopefully remembering me in a positive way. And so again, I mean, this is back in the days to see when like when parents were struggling, the only resource they had was to call the University of Houston. You know, we didn't have a clinic on every corner and, you know, he would send us out. He would get, he would, gosh, he got me so much work. He got me a job at um, what's now the Harris Center. I work with adults. He got me jobs working with families in their homes. And he was the person people called, you know, they didn't have, we didn't have the internet. Heck, I was writing my master's thesis on a typewriter. And I remember calling my dad and saying, daddy, I've got to get a a computer for this. I can't keep rewriting this because, you know, they mark all through it and then you've got to retype. And that was my first computer. Um, (laughs) Because that's things that people, kids cannot comprehend. They cannot comprehend that we had life before computers. But, you know, I was thinking about something that you were saying, like it was not a choice about the, you know, going and presenting. And he got you a job, you know, as a home trainer and at the hair center. Those were all things that he knew were going to help you be better at your future. You know, it wasn't just haphazardly, oh, yeah, I'd like them to present here. Oh, yeah, I can get her some work over there. No, he knew this is going to round them out. This is going to. Yeah. And Sissy, you know, back uh, when, during the master's program, we had an internship and we had to work in classrooms 30 hours a week. And your your former school district was where I did my internship. Um, and yes. gosh, did I learn a lot about everything, just being in that classroom with that teacher. She was so good. And, you know, those ladies in that life skills program taught me tons and tons, too, Susan. And uh, I'm sure that, that that experience, your internship really shaped your, your thinking. Oh, my gosh. So much, so much. Sissy, one of the other things that Mike had us do as <laughs> his mentorees is take care of his animals when he was out of town and he had a diabetic cat and a big Doberman. I can't remember the name of that Doberman. Oh, she and was it, ferocious too. <laughs> she was scary. <laughs> Sca- well, you know, she was not like friendly. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he didn't, I mean, Doberman. 
he lived near the university and it wasn't a bad neighborhood, but it wasn't like the safest neighborhood either. And we would just go there and spend the night and not even ask if we had a choice. Like it was just part of what we did and um, getting that cat diabetes, insulin and taking care of the dog. And it was just, ah, I just think back now, you know, to get a dog sitter for me now, it's like, you know, you got to pay somebody a lot of money and have them stay at your house. You just, you know, it's, oh my God. And I, I don't think that was ever a choice either. It was just like, Hey, Catlett. And he used to call me because I, when I would write my name on my paper, it would be S Catlett. So he called me Scatlett. Yes, he did. Like, I'll do Scatlett. Yeah, Scatlett. You can stay at my house this week for, for, for three nights. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And I think I had yeah. a part of my own. I remember my stint when I did that, Susan, and I was writing a qualitative paper for one of my, my qualitative research courses and uh, sitting in that, in that you know, and the dog would come in, the cat would come in, the dog would leave, the cat would leave, the dog would come in. And I'm sitting there writing on my, on his computer. I borrowed his computer because, you know, I couldn't haul one, you know, because I, that was before laptops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how long ago it was. And I remember sitting there just about to pull my hair out. I was so uh, antsy. It was, um, not, you know, you're, it was a little nerve wracking, but yeah, that was a rite of passage. You were, if you were able to, you know, he just asked you, I, dog sitting. I need a dog sitter this weekend. Okay. And I remember I had to tell my husband, you're going to do what? Dog sit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was living in uh, Houston. I think my husband was living in Victoria with my daughter at the time when I was going to school that semester. And I said, it's just something I got to do, honey. I got a dog sit. <laughs> 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 and we, uh, I'm, as a result, there were a couple of things that we did and that we would do under the auspices of, of Brady. And I created a, a sob newsletter, which stood for Students Abused by Brady. And it was it was just kind of a cartoon, funny little uh, vignettes of what you do. If, if you're picked to babysit the Doberman, that's what you need to be aware of. You know, those kind of things. It was just very tongue-in-cheek and he loved it and he said when's when's the next edition coming out I said well got to find something to write about Mike so because we'd already by that time I'd graduated from uh, UH and was working at Region 4 and you know you were talking about I mean what mentor will after you graduate continue to try to find you work I know I know I know <laughs> that's what you would do Sissy, thank you so much for letting Mary and I spend the time to honor our mentor, Dr. Brady. You can tell he had a huge impact on both of our lives. And I really enjoyed Mary's stories. And I hope our listeners enjoy part two, where Mary talks about fun things like normative data and things like that. But I really do appreciate the opportunity to honor him on our podcast. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was so fun listening to you to talk about him. And I know our listeners will enjoy the second half of the talk. Um, we have a question that is somewhat related. Yeah. <laughs> you guys talked about really not having a choice when it came to uh, helping with his dog or his cat or staying at his place or going to a conference for that matter. Right. Uh, I mean, all those things helped you grow and, 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 and become who you are. But we do know that there is research that talks about choice for individuals with significant disabilities. 
So that's what our question is about. Which of the following is not an important finding from the research on choice for individuals with significant disabilities? A, they have increased engagement. Okay. B, they're more likely to have better outcomes. Sure. C, it's an international right. D, they have enhanced personal autonomy. So I'm not super familiar with the research on choice making, but I do believe that there is some research about increased engagement and the, what was B again? Uh, B was more likely to have better outcomes. Definitely um, would say that's in the research. C is the international right. And I know that it is an international right for people with significant disabilities to have choices, but I don't know that that topic has actually been researched. Right, right. I mean, a right is something we've decided on, not necessarily something that researchers even get to decide, but, you know, they may impact the decision on that. So, yeah, yeah, C probably is not, but then definitely enhanced personal autonomy is something that you get with our, our individuals with disabilities when they have a choice. And when you think about it, giving a choice creates the possibility that one is going to be more reinforcing than the other. If you just think about it from a behavioral standpoint. Sure. So if it's more reinforcing, you're going to see an increase in the behaviors that you want to see. So yeah, absolutely. And choice making is so important. You know, we make choices every day, all day. And a lot of times our kids don't have those opportunities. You know, we tell them when they're going to eat breakfast, when they're going to have a break, when they're going to eat lunch, when they're going to go to the bathroom, when they're going to go to recess, when they're, And I mean, I I know we've talked about this before, but I think it's so important for us to offer choices as often as we can. Little things like sitting in, do you want the blue chair or the orange chair? Do you want the green marker or the pencil? Do you want the, you know, I was working with the little guy today and we were, it was counting by twos and he was getting frustrated. And so I said, okay, well, how many more should we do? Should we do four more or five more? And he was like, four more. Okay, perfect. Do you want to use the pencil or the green marker? You know? And that gave him a little bit of control over his environment, which our kids don't really have a lot of and really crave that. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. As always, if you want to um, rate or review us on the podcast app that you use or go directly to Buzzsprout and leave us a review or rate us, we would greatly appreciate it. We hope you all have a great weekend and we'll finish up our conversation with Mary next week. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Thanks. Bye.